Hello and welcome to season three of the Global Health Collective podcast. I'm your host, Shania Bopa, and I'm excited to take you along the stories and lessons from some of the world's greatest health leaders. Hopefully, we'll be left inspired and motivated to make change in our world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season three of the Global Health Collective. I am here with an inspiring woman that I am so excited to introduce all of you to and get to know her and her research. And her name is Dr. Margarita Poto. She is a researcher at the Faculty of Law from the Arctic University of Norway. Welcome. Thank you very much for the introduction. Very happy to be here with you today. I'm excited to hear about everything that you do. You seem like you have such a diverse uh, landscape of research interests. And I think my first question to start off is, what is your current area of research and research focus for everyone who's listening? Yes, thank you. I'm currently focusing on the environment. That's my main (laughs) research interest, the core of my research, and the environment in the sense of protection protecting the environment, but also in the sense of conceiving the environment in a broad sense, which include nature, nature in the sense of plants and animals, and beings in that environment. So um, I've been recently, I've informed that a, a project of mine has been funded and is about, the project is about empathy, compassion and care in the environment for the protection of water in the environment. So that's the core of my research at the moment, developing an understanding of a relational connections in the environment and the importance to nurture those connections and to start from there in order to protect the environment. That is amazing. And, and what inspired you to delve into this area of research? And, and it, was there a turning point moment for you in your career mm-hmm. that really pushed you into this position? I would say there are many aspects that pushed me there. I think that uh, my move to the Arctic was one of them. I always say that I moved, I moved to the Arctic in 2016 and I was kind of a midlife crisis almost there and I was looking for my north and I found (laughs) the direction that the star you know so um, my move to the Arctic helped me to in a way broaden my perspective but also I found a pristine academic environment a pristine environment because the Arctic is pristine but also academically a very new fresh place to develop and that was one of the drivers but also I would say my willingness to create a space of care Uh, I wanted more and more to have a place where I work happily but I also feel happy to be in a way and not dividing life and work right we sometimes we need to do that but I wanted to feel at home in my in my work that's where I started observing that I was thinking of the environment and I wanted to create the best environment to work in right so that was more or less uh, my travels and my need to really feel uh, create a, a space where I could feel good where my friends 
and colleagues could feel good. And, and creating your space and creating your ideal environment physically, but also like emotionally and academically. Mm -hmm. Were there any influential people in that process that you can reflect and say that they were such a key player in where you are today? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for asking. I, uh, I would say that rather than people are a group of people that influenced me, and at least I think of two main groups. Uh, one is a group from Canada, so west coast of Canada, um, Victoria, British Columbia, and it's a group of indigenous scholars and in particular, Val Napoleon and Rebecca Johnson are the two mentors that trained me uh, and helped me find this way, this new path towards healing in, in academia and in research. Um, I was trained by them on indigenous methodology. There is a, a fantastic world depicted as a tree, imagine. And from the abstract and somehow sterile legal reflections, I moved to the communities, to the world of illustrations, to the world of storytelling. And I learned that this rich world can be translated also into uh, science and acceptable scientific works. And this was the first group of people that really inspired me. And I always refer to them. I always thank them because I, I, think, it, I think they changed my view. And the other group are, are my friends. I know it sounds a bit strange, but I make sure that I'm surrounded by friends at the university. And these friends are sometimes my former students that I have that develop and become great academic uh, or there are friends that join me peers and um, they're extremely inspiring and I, I make sure that I always create uh, research groups with friends with whom I can also share other parts of my life uh, we will always make sure that we create again a space of of understanding we tell each other what struggles we are going through and and sometimes we, tr- we try to translate th- those challenges into research questions, get inspired by our fr- friendship in a way. So just to name a few, uh, Julia Parola is one of my best friends and I've been now working with her in this project. Arianna Perrone is another one. There are many Italian friends, I would say. Uh, but many others. Jess Fowley, Jess was one of the students at the um, Global Health McMaster. Um, yes, so I have beautiful, wonderful friends that inspire me. I think one thing I've learned, especially in regards to your friendships inspiring you, is you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. I really do believe that wholeheartedly. And I think when you are inspired by your environment physically and socially, you will create the things that fuel your soul and really are meaningful mm-hmm. to you. I agree. It's a important, I think it's an important avenue that we don't discuss enough, especially no. if you're in the academic landscape. You think it's just, you know, learning how to write a certain type of research paper or learning how to use this guide, but creating those relationships along the way make research meaningful. 
Yes, absolutely. I agree. One thing that we talk about in the global health program is we speak about this local global perspective and um, our environment locally and globally, globally and how we can be active citizens. But can you can you speak about just a little bit more on what global means in the context of the Arctic? Mm-hmm. And you feel the Arctic is represented in the global landscape of research and international partnerships and discussions. Mm-hmm. I'll give you some some feelings that I have rather than long, you know, thoughts reflected in, in, in some papers. But my first feeling when I went to, when I moved to the Arctic was... Uh, that it was magic and I had to share this magic with the world out there. And I don't know whether this translates into global, but I feel so because then when I went out and started sharing the preliminary results of my research outside the Arctic, everybody was so interested. I, I became all of, sudden, all of a sudden a super interesting <laughs> speaker, right? Before it was like administrative law, so boring. When I started talking about the Arctic, I kind of sparked an interest that surprised me, right? Like, wow, people are so asking so many questions. So somehow the Arctic, I think, is a lens, uh, is a mirror for um, many dynamics, and we can, you know, delve into these in a very technical way. But it it attracts attention because it is. It represents, you know, the essence of many aspects of of life. And a little thing that I always say, when I arrived here, I discovered how popular I had become as a researcher. Yes. But when I arrived here, I discovered how lucky I was to have this fresh air and this amazing water, you know. And this is so simple, but it's so, it gives you really a glimpse of how the Arctic, the Arctic encapsulates the essence of life, right? Without air, we don't survive. Without water, we are, we are nothing. And, and the Arctic is this, because the Arctic is ice, <laughs> is air, <laughs> and, and that's all, right? Uh, so that's, in a, in a way, in a very natural way, is uh, the representation of what global and local means. But also, I would say, um, I've reflected a lot about on, on, on this term global, right? Because sometimes it's politically charged. You never know whether you're now attacked because you are pro-global or anti-global. But I decided, and also when I came here somehow, it was this inspiration. I decided to take a very simple, see global in a, with a synonym in a way that is fluid. For me, global and fluid are very similar. And fluid in the sense that here the solid state, the liquid state, <laughs> the airy state are all one, right? And in a similar way, the global reflection, being able to move around the globe, to be part of one certain discussion in a part of the world that is common to the other, has the same characteristics of fluidity. So there is a kind of connection there. Maybe it's very metaphorical. I don't know <laughs> if that makes sense at all. Yes, this is my, my association 
Arctic equals global equals fluid. And to enhance our global and fluid relationship with the Arctic, how can we develop good partnerships with the Arctic? And how do you think we can maximize our efforts towards developing, developing and maintaining relationships to really get the most out of, out of learning about the Arctic in every way, shape or form? I think, I, I think at least in two ways. First, accepting it, because yeah, I described it as poetic, <laughs> almost difficult to grasp concept of the fluidity but the Arctic is also very harsh you know when you arrive here you have to face darkness and light and extremes and uh, and embrace them and make the best out of it exactly as you know the indigenous peoples of this place had to do since time immemorial so the Arctic also forges you <laughs> in a way uh, and therefore how can we best relate to that? Probably embracing it, right? Not resisting it, not trying to tame it, but accepting it as a learning experience that we need to go through. And that's how, more or less my existential relationship with the Arctic. Uh, but also another way, and this is a more, maybe not so automatic, um, but I, I give you an example on how I'm seeing a relationship develop with the Arctic. And it's through my project. So I have developed this project of care, empathy and compassion. And of course, it's, it's been created here with all these elements that I described. But I have developed it in an exchange with another country that is Brazil, that is apparently very far from all I described, but very similar. In Brazil, there is a similar connection with nature, even though it's a different type of nature. There are indigenous peoples that are deeply interconnected with, with the natural elements they live in, and they are fighting for that. And uh, knowing that somebody far up in the Arctic is going through similar experiences help them. And this is a way to create the relationship again, because the Arctic can be a platform where the instances can be heard in a way. It's a Pacific, a peace place. I want to see it like that. I know it's not only peace, there is a lot of, you know, race for resources here as well, but I want to take the peaceful part and can be a platform where Many can feel represented, even outside, even apparently not belonging to that. So it's a place where relationships thrive and, and voices are heard. And that's the way we should relate to the Arctic, with respect, with awe, and with uh, knowing that the Arctic welcomes us, if we are ready to be welcomed, with a nice scarf and hat. <laughs> and I I think the first thing that comes to mind, and you you beautifully put explaining the Arctic and how we can understand it, but as young global health professionals, how can we learn more about the Arctic in a compassionate and integrative way and begin to acknowledge its existence and take it as a lens and apply it to our to our various research projects. But I guess my question is, for young people, what do you recommend us to do in terms of learning a little bit more about 
this relationship. Yeah. I always say this, that when you're ready, the Arctic opens the door. So <laughs> so if I had to suggest to somebody who is interested, a student that wants to explore more, certainly you have to be ready to come, to, to test. And come for you is not that far. You don't have to come all the way to Trump, so you can go a bit up north, right, <laughs> from where you are now explore be ready to be challenged a bit and um, and of course nowadays these days is a bit different right traveling is not exactly as it used to be a couple of, of years ago but yeah traveling is the first experience I would say but also also try to really understand what you want to do in life now I tell you something uh, ask yourself, ask yourself the question. And then uh, when you move to the Arctic, you will find the answer, even though now it feels that you don't know it exactly. But yes, throw this question and it will be magically <laughs> answered there. But certainly, yes, go talk to people that live in the Arctic. Again, maybe I haven't said it enough, but um, what I found when I because I arrived with my big, big backpack from, from Europe, you know, all the old continent, very well structured. The thoughts are very well formed. The schools, uh, law, universities have a certain track that is there since middle age. And it was very heavy burden. But when I arrived here, I realized that there were no ways. It was uh, easy to explore, that all my old preconcepts and, and very important lessons I learned somehow had to be left for a while and I, I could explore new trajectories. And that's where I think the attic could be inspiring also for a student. So all what you've learned, you have to be ready to kind of temporarily <laughs> suspend it and come to a, an adventure to the unknown. <laughs> And in, in your like lifetime, did you ever think you'd end up in the Arctic? Was this like a goal of yours since you were young? Or is it just completely how life unfolded for you? I think how life, I, I, I was, I had this uh, moment in life when I was a little kid where I dreamt of being an indigenous woman. So I don't know if that is, <laughs> was a call to the Arctic, but not, certainly not the cold. I was terrified by the cold. I am Mediterranean, I'm from Italy, so I was terrified by snow, but uh, so I, I couldn't imagine myself here. Uh, for many years, I've been working in the global south, so I was completely attracted by, by the opposite in a way, but the time has come and um, I don't suffer cold at all, so uh, yeah. That's awesome, and, and what is... What is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? You told me at the beginning, right, Shania, that I had to talk to my younger self. So, and you know what? Sometimes I talk to myself and I'm, I'm sure I'm still 13. So, <laughs> so I give it to myself now because I'm still 13-year-old somewhere. To my younger self, uh, I, I, when I was a kid, I thought I was special. <laughs> and then I had many years where this uh, thought was challenged. I would tell Margarita, but yeah, she was right. I love it. I love it. And yeah. what advice would you have for young global health graduates mm -hmm. entering their career? 
listen to themselves that they're right or that they're right that they are absolutely fabulous they are the best students i've ever met on earth they're so inspiring i want to be one of them not the other way around stay the way you are (laughs) don't grow please (laughs) be brave believe in yourself um and yes now this one the tough part work hard (laughs) that's what i can tell you i just hard work pays off i know it's a bit boring but sometimes when when you know the days are dull or are you feel like oh i get rejected again oh life is so tough i i work i work hard and i i think that there is a value and ethics in that one and then the universe will do the rest right <laughs> so don't feel too much that you have to become the person you are thinking you have to become or fulfill a certain dream just work (laughs) keep on dreaming and roll your sleeves and yes yes I, I agree with that I think recently I realized that if you work and put 100% of your effort into what you want to do I think you have to have some sort of faith involved in Mm. believing that what's meant for you will be yours whether it's right now or in a year from now or two years from now Mm -hmm. like will happen according to in in divine order as my parents absolutely i agree i agree with you 100 percent and um maybe another thing you know because then we don't want also that we burn out and we just promote hard working with no vision what i also try to do as a correction when i work very hard and i see that i'm in a tunnel and nothing is happening and you know i have started doing this experiment where i'm really in need for something i look for people in need around me and this is i don't know it's a mathematical formula if you help someone that is in need automatically you get out of your trap and that's something I would I would suggest to add to that work hard don't forget (laughs) to kind of lend a hand to someone around you and and your path will be lighter I I agree with that I think one thing that my parents really instilled in me was the best leaders in the world bring everyone else with them. And especially I think within the GTA, within Canada, within competitive programs, we often feel like there's one spot at the top. There, there's no such thing. There's an absolutely no such thing. And actually helping your peers and supporting your colleagues and, and creating a, a healthy network is what's going to make you happy and fulfilled in, in your career. Yes. Oh, you have fantastic parents. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. My parents uh, recently, they started sending me daily motivational quotes. So wow. I'm in this like zen, zen feel right now. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, I try to do the same. I have a daughter and sometimes she's, she rolls around. So she's a bit younger than you. But okay, now the motivational speech starts. She rolls her eyes. Empowering. I really do empower, I believe empowerment is key in making sure children and young people get to where they deserve and want to be i agree with you on this yeah absolutely you know what i'm going to end off this episode with one last question what is one quote that you live by and why faith over fear that's my quote i like it i would say 
this isn't necessarily a quote, but it's for every young person that may feel a little bit lost. You take advice from people that are in a position you want to possibly be in or in a position that you admire. And it goes, it goes within the same concept of if you want to do research, don't take advice on, from someone who, who's never done research on how to do research. And that applies to every facet of your life. If you want to start working out, talk to someone who has worked out. If you want to start a blog, talk to someone who's started a blog. And it sounds so simple, but it's something I think we often don't think of, especially when we rely on our network for various pieces of advice and words of wisdom. And have faith. Yeah. More faith than fear that things will work out. And yes. Well, I yeah. want to thank you so much for being on this episode. I hope that everyone has listened to this episode as their morning source of inspiration and motivation to go after your dreams and not let anything stop you and really trust the process in, in that and work hard along the way. And I think personally, we all need to take a little bit of time to really understand the Arctic and all of its beauties and all of its learning opportunities that I believe that we take for granted, especially within Canada, within Ontario, uh, within North America. It's just not something that is heavily emphasized, A, in formal education, but also just in our personal interests. Yeah. And I think it deserves its time and space. Yes. You're welcome anytime if you want to experience. <laughs> Yes. Thank you so much, Margaret. Yeah. Thanks to you, Shania. And I wish you a wonderful continuation of day and studies.